Hey there, welcome to another episode of The Greatest Generation, a podcast built around the stories of yesteryear as told by the very people who lived through them. I am your host, Aaron Weisler. Today we will be speaking with Sue, who has a very inspiring story to share. If you haven't already, please subscribe, and if you like what you hear, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star rating on iTunes as well. You can also reach me directly at thegreatestgeneration1 at gmail.com. Comments and questions are always welcome. And now, without further ado, I bring you a conversation with Sue. Okay, so we're here with Sue. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Well, I was born and raised in Minnesota. Okay. And um, lived there till I w- went to college. Mm-hmm. And went to Mankato State University. I started out in... Um, uh, elementary education, and then after going to New York the summer of 1957, mm-hmm. and uh, as a girls counselor in a Fresh Air Fund camp, um, I went back to school and mm-hmm. and changed my majors: sociology and Spanish. Oh, okay. So I got a double major in them. I think I was born with a need for diversity, mm-hmm. and so the the uh, sociology mm-hmm. went right along very well with that, mm-hmm. and it seemed like wherever there was somebody from a different country, different right. culture, different language, that's where I had to be. Okay. And uh, so that kind of dictated my life, I think. That's good. And um, from college, I went on, went to theological seminary in Chicago Mm -hmm. and graduated from there in a department that was called Church and Community Mm -hmm. as kind of a a parish visitor, Mm -hmm. youth director, you name it, Mm -hmm. and worked in that for a while. Summers. I did migrant ministry to the mm-hmm. agricultural migrants and actually even worked along with the migrants one for a while one summer to earn bus fare mm-hmm. to work in New York. Oh, okay. And um, then also worked in uh, with a, a group of college students and that on an Indian reservation mm-hmm. in northern Minnesota. I think my heart has always been with the Indians. And That's would, great. would teach in in literacy mm-hmm. program if there was an opportunity to it. Um, I stayed in a, in the church work for a few years, and I got married, mm-hmm. and and still was in that for a while. But then, you know, with the Navy, mm-hmm. my first husband was in the Navy, so we moved to you know where he was stationed. Right. And then started a family, and eventually went back to to California, where he was stationed when I met him. And there was not the opportunity to work in the field that I was in. Mm -hmm. So I ended up uh, learning about adult education. English is a second language. Mm -hmm. Took a couple extra courses that I needed to get a certificate for that. Mm-hmm. So I uh, ended up teaching English as a second language for San Diego Community College District. 
for 20-some oh, okay. years. Wow. Um, Sounds like a very fulfilling uh, career. Very much so. And then um, met, well, in seminary, I did not, the course of study I was in mm -hmm. did not require Greek and Hebrew, mm -hmm. but I got the interest of uh, learning Greek there. Mm -hmm. And when I was teaching, I decided I was going to look for a private teacher for Greek. Okay. So I took the summer of 1974, when there was a, the war between Greece and, right. and, and Turkey over mm -hmm. Cyprus. That summer, there was a, a Greek teacher, a Greek woman that taught a Greek. Mm -hmm. She was in San Diego all summer. Okay. So I took lessons from her every day that summer. Mm -hmm. And then kept on all during the school year. A year later, I met a Greek guy that I ended up marrying. And so off and on during the years we were married, mm -hmm. we lived part of the time in Greece, part of the time in San Diego. Okay. Until he passed away in December of 2000. Mm -hmm. So we lived in Greece part of that time, and of course my Greek language improved, mm -hmm. right. but not to the extent where it's easy for me to call some offices over there once in a while. Right. I have to do that, and that that's hard. Yeah. Like this morning I called there, mm -hmm. and my uh, vocabulary for some, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, if it's people I know and the topic I know right. about is a lot simpler. Mm -hmm. But um, okay. Then when I when I got back after he passed away, by that time my daughter was settled. Mm -hmm. Daughter and family were settled in the Atlanta area. Mm -hmm. So I I ended up calling Duluth, Georgia, home. Mm -hmm. But uh, a couple years later, bought a little camper trailer. Okay. And basically, for about 10 years, well, I got a dog, too. Yeah. And basically, for about 10 years, I was full-time camper. Wow. One, one part of the country to the other. Thank you. Wow, that's great. I see what was on the other side of the mountain, Steve. That's great. So you love to travel. Yeah, except my wings are a little bit clipped right now. Mm. <laughs> so, but I've I've gone. Of course, when you have a a pet, you have to give up some things. You know, yeah. you can't leave them alone in the camper all day long. Right. So, you make a, one commitment. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got two dogs myself, so. Yeah, they're like having little kids. I mean, they mm -hmm. take attention. Yeah. Especially when uh, when one of them gets really old. That's right. Yeah. Mine is uh, almost 13 years old now. Wow. She's tremendously strong. Great. And, uh, yeah, mine is about 15. 15? 15. 15. What kind of dog? He's a Springer Spaniel. Oh. 
Well, she's a Boston Terrier. Okay. Very muscular, very strong. She just has a little trouble with the glaucoma. Oh, okay. But she can see well enough to go after every dried worm that's on the sidewalk. She's <laughs> get her, get her um, daily quota of protein. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Let's see. Has music played a big part in your life? Well, a part. Okay. Um, I had to take piano lessons when I was a kid, and I played. I never became really proficient at it, but right. just for my own enjoyment. And I uh, held on to my mother's piano until a few years ago and then finally it was one of these big uprights Mm -hmm. these heavy things and hard to find parts for or to have it repaired Mm -hmm. and so it it ended up in goodwill oh okay well it sounded like it had some sentimental value to you pardon me it sounded like it had some sentimental value to you it does it does i don't ever want to see it yeah Mm-hmm. That would be a, a little bit too emotional. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. And I was in children's choir and in adult choir at church. And, okay. And uh, when the contemporary music came into churches, mm-hmm. my first husband and I were involved in that. And and uh, we made a record together, the whole, the whole choir did. Wow. A folk group, they called it. Okay. That's great. Years ago. That's great. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, okay, so you said the uh, the question about your favorite story about each child was a little hard. Yeah, the, the ordinary kids. Mm. I can't think of any specific. Mm. Um, I remember some very trying times. Mm-hmm. When we're a, a real shocker, mm-hmm. when uh, my son left for school in the morning and didn't come home that night, and after calling <clears throat> all his friends, nobody had seen him at school. So that's when you get terrified, you know, mm-hmm. when you know that he left at just about the usual time. Right. And then nobody saw him at school what's happened to him, you know, he's 15 year old. Mm-hmm. And then I called the mother of a friend of his mm-hmm. that he knew from church. Mm-hmm. And that boy was missing too. So we felt they were together someplace. Right. But it, it does something to you to hear the helicopter going Mm-hmm. All night long, absolutely, and knowing that they're hunting for your kids, mm-hmm. and yeah. then the the morning uh, of the second night that they were missing, mm-hmm. around one in the morning, the San Diego police called me, mm-hmm. and you know your heart just stops because y- you wonder what's the next thing you're going right. you're going to hear. Well, they said, you can come and get the kids now. They're okay. Oh my At God. that moment, I became so angry. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, from <laughs> from being so scared and mm-hmm. then relieved, and then I got angry. So mm-hmm. we went to pick them up, and I can see my son sitting in that swivel chair mm-hmm. at a desk, just searching my face the minute I walked in, expecting I was going to start sobbing or something. <laughs> I said, you get out of that chair and get your butt in the truck right now. <laughs> I could have whacked him all the way out there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. And the next day, we retraced all the steps those kids took. Mm-hmm. Even as to talking to the night watchman at an elementary school where those kids had stopped, mm-hmm. they had gone up on top of the roof. Mm-hmm. They, had, they had taken a roll of toilet paper from a gas station, and they lit it on fire up on the roof because it was so cold. Wow. It didn't do any damage, luckily. Right, that's good. But, uh, that w- I mean, that experience was a real heart stopper. Yeah. But the reason he ran away from home was he was terrified to tell his coach that he was scared to go off the diving board. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, what I should have done was take him to the school counselor and mm-hmm. let her handle it. Right. But that age kid, uh, very embarrassed, mm-hmm. you know, and and so and the other boy had a lot of psychological problems. Mm-hmm. Had discovered his mother who had OD'd, oh. and so he had a lot of problems in school. Yeah. With life. Um, okay. Anyway. That was a traumatic experience. It sounds like it. Wow. Um, okay, so uh, this may seem like a strange question, but uh, do you like to smile, and what things make you smile? <laughs> Lots of things make me smile. When I think of things that are, I'll get so angry sometimes, Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they'll strike me funny, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll start laughing. Like the time when I was living in Greece, mm-hmm. my husband's little village, everybody was busy with the tobacco season, mm-hmm. and I was bored to death. And mm-hmm. in the United States, I had traveled from one end of the country and into Canada all mm-hmm. by myself, and there I'd not even been on a bus alone. I said, I'm going. So I went up to the bus stop and I forgot mm. to leave him a message. Mm. And I uh, said, oh, well, I'll get back before he gets home. Mm-hmm. So I got on the bus, went over to Larissa, it's about 45 miles away. Just had enough time to pick up newspapers at a, a foreign language stand mm-hmm. right. and magazines and come back. <clears throat> but the bus took forever. Went to every little village there. Mm-hmm. Got back to the city. Didn't go through our village. Mm-hmm. In the summertime, everything is closed up in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. All there was was one taxi, which I was heading for. Right. Across from the taxi was a little car and a guy there called to me to mm-hmm. come over there and you think I'm going to go over close to where there's some strangers in it? Mm-hmm. They said, 
Come on over here. We think that you're the woman we're looking for. And I, I said, no, I'm not coming in there. Well, come on, we'll take you home. We think your husband's looking for you. And uh, at that point, the other guy in there mm -hmm. pulled out a picture mm -hmm. of my husband and me. So I started getting so angry. I headed for the taxi. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going home. And so the taxi driver took me home. I got there. Mm -hmm. And there was those people in that car right in back of us. And my husband in the back, in the front yard, pacing back and forth and back and forth. They were plainclothes policemen. Oh, okay. I wasn't home when he got home from the Capineo. Right. So he panicked. He mm -hmm. didn't know what happened. So he called them to go look for me. Mm -hmm. So we got in the house. My sister-in-law came puffing and puffing up the hill. What happened to you? He had called everybody in the village to find out mm -hmm. they had seen me. Nobody had seen me. And I was so angry. I couldn't be out of sight for five minutes and he started getting panicky. So all of a sudden, it struck me funny. Mm -hmm. And I started laughing and I said to my sister-in-law, remember, I've told you I'm going to write a book about my experiences in Greece. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, this chapter is going to be for my grandkids. My Grammy the Jailbird, where, mm -hmm. where Papu sent the police to look for me. Mm -hmm. I'm just missing from home for about five minutes. Wow. So, things like that, you know, I'll get so angry and then all of a sudden they'll strike me funny. Mm-hmm. And I think my sense of humor and what I've been told I have wit mm -hmm. has pulled me through a lot of things. That's great. Um, okay, so um, what is your most cherished family tradition? Family tradition? I can't think of anything. Okay. A tradition, except that, you know, Christmas together, but... Mm -hmm. Um, what is your happiest and proudest moment? The happiest moment was when I got out of high school and get the heck out of there. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> proudest moment? I guess when the uh, happiest was when my daughter was born. And uh, happy, very happy too when my, well, we adopted our son. Mm -hmm. So that was equal happiness. Yeah. You know. Okay. And what do you think the turning points have been in your life? A turning point in my life? Mm hmm. Well. I can't say. Okay. All right. A turning point, a change of um, every different 
segment of your life as kind of a turning point. Right. Yeah. The last one was the hardest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From being totally independent, coming and going, mm-hmm. health issue comes right. into play. Um, describe a person or situation from your childhood that had a profound effect on the way you look at life. I think probably the need for diversity. Mm -hmm. Being born with that need for diversity. And my mother played a little part in this, in that she was very much interested in, well, we were brought up in the church, and she was always interested in missionaries, you know, different cultures and all of this. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that interested me, not necessarily in being a missionary, right. but in the different cultures. And then with, um, you know, you learn about the cultures, if you learn a, a foreign language, mm-hmm. you're not just looking in the through the window. Mm-hmm. You can walk through the door and mingle right. with people. Mm-hmm. Right. So the interest in different cultures and everything, and with thinking way back, mm-hmm. studying, you know, switching to sociology. Mm-hmm went right along with the need for diversity mm-hmm. and I had foreign students live at my house when I lived in San Diego okay uh, they were students at a private language institute mm-hmm. and the school was looking for homes for different right. for the different students so I had a lot of different students there mm-hmm. and that fulfill the need, you know, of knowing other countries and everything. Right. That and still have a very close relationship with one of the, the students, one from Taiwan. Oh, wow. Okay. Who has become another son to me. Great. And his wife was one of my students in adult school. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Take them home with you. <laughs> Keep them there. Ornery little monster. Okay. And um, these people have become part of my life. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um. Okay. What, if anything, would you have done differently in your life? Probably never would have gotten married in the first place. <laughs> no, I. There's only one thing, not done differently, but one thing I would have, if I had, had it impressed on me at an early enough age, mm-hmm. and that was to buy um, long care mm-hmm. insurance. Mm-hmm. It would help a lot now. Right. But as far as doing anything else differently, maybe would have gotten to know 
my first husband better before I married. Right. But all in all, no matter what, I think I would have done exactly the same thing all over again. That's great. That's great. I feel like I had a very, very full and fulfilling life. And as far as divorce is concerned, <coughs> it was the best thing I ever did. Mm. Uh, when my first husband sort of brought it up to me, at first it was a little bit insecure feeling, right. but I am so grateful that we divorced when we were both young. Hard on the kids, but they got through it okay. Right. Lots of trials and tribulations, but I think there's a there's a plan right. some way. Mm-hmm. And just go with the flow. I mean, Absolutely. Give it your best. Right. But I don't think I'd do anything differently. That's great. It sounds like you had a great, a great life. Yeah, I feel very, very fulfilled. I've um, had some wonderful experiences, mm-hmm. and uh, they don't. I mean, some were sixty years ago, right? But uh, more than sixty. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're just like they, they have just happened, right? And my first experience away from home was working on Indian Reservation with uh, mm-hmm. American Friends Service Committee, okay. which is basically Quaker. Mm-hmm. But we had it was an international group, mm-hmm. and we lived on the Indian Reservation in northern Minnesota. We set up a recreational program for them mm-hmm. for the kids, and so fitting. Almost every year in the last, I don't know how many years, we'd mm-hmm. go back to Minnesota camping and fishing. Mm-hmm. And the next to the last year I was there, I was sitting out on a boat dock fishing there, and here came four Indian kids. And they evidently came down there just about every day right. to go in swimming. Mm-hmm. And any pontoon or any boat that came or went, they helped them at the dock. And they sat there. The oldest boy was 11 years old, sat at the end of the dock facing Mm -hmm. me. And every time I'd pull in a fish, no matter what size, he insisted on taking it off the hook. And he would take it off and to watch him so gently take it off the hook and if he was putting it back in, put it in the water mm-hmm. so gently and hold on to it until it got over the trauma of being pulled right. in and let it go. And when you think of it, what barbarians we are. Mm-hmm. They could teach us so much. But I enjoyed those kids so much. It was just so fitting that it was going complete 360 degree circle. Started out that way and ended mm-hmm. the the um, experiences in that way. Wow, that's incredible.
Okay. Uh, what advice did your grandparents or parents give you that you remember best? Advice by example, honesty, mm -hmm. and sensitivity to other people. Mm -hmm. Sensitivity, I learned, I don't know what age I was, but somewhere around seven, eight years old, mm -hmm. there was a older man in the in the little town I grew up in, that he had, uh, I guess you call it kyphosis, mm -hmm. humpback. Oh, okay. And to a little kids, it looked funny. Mm -hmm. And we just about got our rear ends whipped mm -hmm. because we laughed at him. Mm -hmm. And that taught us a good lesson. Mm -hmm. Really taught us a good lesson. and. And our dad was not somebody to sit down and he tried to reason with us or talk right. softly with us. <laughs> the razor strap did the talking. Right. That and honesty. Mm -hmm. And from being so honest in high school, mm -hmm. I had all the kids down on me. Because I ratted on one of the other kids. <laughs> well, the teacher asked. He, he suspected a, a student, a particular student, for shooting uh, soybeans all over the classroom. Mm. But nobody, nobody would squeal on him. So mm. he started with each person down the row and said, "Did Pat do it? Did Pat do it?" Nobody would rat on him. God, to me, I knew I was supposed to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. So I did. <laughs> paid for it from, from the other kids. All right. Do you have a philosophy of life? Live it to the fullest. Listen to that little person inside. Mm -hmm. That's your guide. Yes. And whatever you do, don't choose, don't feel pressured mm -hmm. into picking out your future profession. Mm -hmm. Because don't do it just to please your parents. Do it for yourself. For yourself. Mm -hmm. Because if you want happiness, mm -hmm. follow your heart. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Um, if you had the power to solve one and only one problem in the world, what would it be and why? <laughs> one problem. Ban firearms. Ban mm -hmm. firearms. And. Somehow, I don't know how, because it's, it's an age-old mm -hmm. uh, problem with people. Then they, they want to have more and more and more. Right. Mm -hmm. Be satisfied. 
with what you have. Absolutely. If you could write a message to each of your children and grandchildren and put it in a time capsule for them to read 20 years from now, what would you write to each of them? I think basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I hope that, uh, that their dreams would be fulfilled. Absolutely. Live your dream. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, just to um, be able to live mm-hmm. out my days independently. Yes. Independently. Yes. And, um, All right. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you. Same here. Thank you. And there you have it, a fascinating conversation with Sue on The Greatest Generation. If you liked what you heard, please don't hesitate to subscribe and give us a five-star review on iTunes. I really do appreciate it. Stay tuned for our next episode coming next week. Until then, enjoy.